How you going guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fairy Podcast. Alhamdulillah, we have the opportunity of getting Abu Hamza on. He's very well known in the community. He's been around for over 30 years now, mashallah. So he spoke about many topics today, including black magic, people being possessed. He shared some stories and experiences on these topics. And also ways we can deal with our desires that we face in today's world. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to the Fair Income Podcast. We've got a very interesting episode for you guys today. We have uh, a very respected, esteemed sheikh from the Melbourne community, Mr. Sheikh Abu Hamzi. Sorry, Mr. Sheikh Abu Hamzi. <laughs> we use as many titles as you like, yes, sheikh. No Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to the podcast. Um, sheikh Abu Hamzi has been a pillar for the Muslim Melbourne Lebanese community for a very, very long time, even past Lebanese, like yes. all cultures, all, mm. all people. Um, and I think how many years been like? 25 plus uh 33 years 33 years mashallah so he's um he was the leader of isna which was the one of the first correct groups it's, it was called isca then alhamdulillah isca. and then later on became isna so it's been 33 years and mashallah sheikh abu hamzi has a lot of things to tell us a lot of knowledge inshallah we'd love to pick his brain on this episode yeah inshallah but first yes <laughs> so what we do with all our guests before we get into your journey inshallah start from the start <coughs> We like to have icebreaker questions, sure. Just to get to see, you know, get you comfortable as well with us, inshallah. So the first one we have is, what was the most embarrassing fashion trend you used to wear when you're younger, <laughs> if you have one? Well, I um, before um, I was practicing, there was a lot of things that I did, but anyway, I don't think. Um, be appropriate for me to mention that. So <laughs> okay, no worries. Okay, no worries. <laughs> hey, inshallah. What about like um, one of the like first f- few jobs you've had when you were younger, like crazy jobs or just funny to look back at now? Yeah. Well, I've worked as a security guard from a young age. Um, that was about six months, and I also worked at uh, Ford Motor Company. Um, I worked at a, a job it's, which was called at that time CIG. It's just here in uh, Preston. I remember I walked in and the uh, the actual employer said, "Well, you don't have any experience. Why are you interested in it? And where would you um, think you'd be in ten years?" I said, "In your position." And he was just um, overwhelmed, <laughs> mm. and he said, "Come tomorrow. You're starting tomorrow." So now looking back at it, uh, alhamdulillah, it's. Um, you know, it's very important uh, when a person does anything in life to take it seriously and um, and people sense that and feel that. Mm. And because of that, sometimes you might lack experience, but they, they might employ you because of your hunger for mm. the job at that time. Yeah, and the commitment for the company. Not everyone can take that on board as well. Like in the moment, like a young guy, oh, he wants to take my position. Ego can get in the way and all that. Correct. So what That's did right. that involve, CIG? Or was at that time, they used to uh, do all these gas, um, uh, allow me to say... Um, fittings and and um it was very popular it was just here in albert street preston um very popular they do the welding um migs and all that type of stuff yeah it's it's uh, i think uh, it's an international company oh, yeah. and you're gonna take this for but yeah um well i wanted to start you off with well something that's happened recently i think i don't know if you're too into the news recently especially past couple of days um in my area at least there was beheadings of corpses and like so what happened was somebody had obviously n- went to the cemetery at night and i think defaced or like de- decapitated a couple of corpses and um they left like a note apparently to do with like satanic ritual or something like that and um knowing the stories that we've heard about sheikh abu hamzi back in the day we know that you might know a thing or two about it. Um, I wanted to see, like, pick your brain on what what you think is actually going on in that yeah. situation. See, nothing surprises me in this day and age. When people distance themselves away from God the Almighty, they can do anything. Um, you know, that's why the Prophet said, The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, The religion has began as a strange religion, and it'll end up being a strange religion. And then he said, Congratulations to those that are strangers. Those who God devoted, they are strangers, even amongst Muslims. So when you hear these type of stories, you know, that, that's new to me, but nothing surprises me in this day and age because people have really distanced themselves away from God, from their natural instinct, you know, from, from the Quran and Sunnah. 
uh, from even religion because at the moment the religions, all religions, have been fought and they've uh, been basically uh, left aside. And if you're religious, whether you're Jew or Christian or Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu, uh, you looked down at. So there's a, there's a, a war that's been waged against religion in general. Um, even false religion, um, they have some good character. You know. um, so distant people away from religion, uh, it's fatal for the whole community. Mm. So you, do you believe that um, there's a specific reason besides like, for example, people just distancing themselves from religion in general? Because I know that a massive issue for us growing up now is this fitna, which is social media, you know? And they've made like widespread like information is like very accessible. I remember back in the day, like if you were to if you were to need to get information, you'd have to go to your library, the local library, your local sheikh. You'd have to like go out of your way to find information. Now you got so much information at your fingertips, you know? Maybe that boggles the mind of the people. I'm not too sure, like, because you've obviously, like, community leader, you've experienced a lot of that. There's an agenda. There's, um, I believe that um, there are people out there that are focusing on basically dismantling the uh, values of, um, you know, families in general. Like, at one stage, just as basic as, like, I'm part of the Hume Council, um, you know, religious figures. Um, at one stage, we used to begin with a prayer, whether the Muslims or Jew or whatever. Now, that's been abolished. Um, you would see now that, that religion has no space in um, in parliament or in the council. So I'm, I'm really seeing, and I can see that clearly, that uh, the religions have been uh, basically um, you know, fought and uh, they're not uh, uh, allowed, like religious figures are not uh, respected and... If you were to look closely at the media, uh, you'll find uh, that their objective is to belittle uh, religious people and just uphold those who are anti-religion. And I've noticed as well, like, it's become a bit of a trend where, like, you hear these athletes or even celebrities and they say, like, oh, I don't have a religion, but my religion is being in touch with my emotions and feelings. And they, they seem to think, like, that's more than enough for their life and where they're trying to like suddenly push over religion in general whether it's islam or not and i think that's just like i'm not too sure what the influence is but like, oh, there i'm is a good person that's yeah. all i need you know it's I enough should be yeah. okay to be going places it's good to you know to, you're right 100 percent. this is the idea ideology that exists at the moment saying oh i'm good to everyone that's mm. all i need to be that's that's good that's good that you're good to others but what about being good to your maker your creator the one who has given you everything that you have. You know? That's important. For us Muslims to be very good, uh, you have to give three their rights. Your maker, others, Muslims, non-Muslim, Jews, Christians, animals, and yourself. This is the right good. So, you know, that's why Allah the Almighty has said, um, beautiful verse in the Quran, He said, Ya ayyuhalladhina Allah has said subhanahu wa ta'ala all you who believe enter into Islam totally don't enter into Islam with the part that you like don't just fast and not pray don't just mm -hmm. pray and not respect your parents don't just respect your parents and disrespect your neighbours because they are non-Muslims don't allow me to say respect your neighbours and, and allow me to say harm animals so Islam is a complete way of life that is why it's so unique, and, and even though that religion in general have been fought and really, you know, the bulk of confrontations is against the Muslims, Alhamdulillah, Islam continues being the fast growing religion in the world. Um, just to go back to the um, the topic we were talking about earlier about like the jinns and, and, and the, the unseen world in that regard, um, I know you've been involved in Rukia services for a long time and you've, you've kind of seen the brunt of it and you've been at the at the forefront of fighting that battle in mashallah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you uh, immensely inshallah but I wanted to see like your perspective on how things have changed over the years has it gotten worse is it getting better uh, um, is like this whole mental health you know like awareness stuff is that is that rectifying any wrongs in the situation or for me to give that uh, uh, question uh, its rights we'll spend three hours but I'll summarize it <laughs> to the best of my ability thank you Tom yeah, yeah, all bless you. I, um, I thank God the Almighty first of all that Allah has given me the ability to help uh, 
people over the years, whether they're Muslims or non-Muslims. Um, our support and our services, it's not just upon Muslims. Any person that knocks their door, they're welcome. Alhamdulillah, you know, allow me to say in the last few years, many Christians and Jews and Buddhists and Hindus, even atheists, they're overwhelmed with some of the messages that we're conveying, alhamdulillah, through Facebook and other media outlets. Uh, as for um, Rukia and, um, you know, uh, allow me to say, you know, alhamdulillah, I've been, again, doing this for almost now 35 years, Rukia, reading on Muslims and non-Muslims. First of all, we need to understand that Allah has said subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنَّكَ إِذَا الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ ضَعِفَ Verily, the abomination of shaitan, the impact of shaitan, the possession of shaitan is weak uh, upon those who are strong. But those who um, forget the purpose of existence, those who don't know why they are living, those who just go with the flow, um, the shaitan can have an impact upon them. Okay, That's why Allah has said subhanahu wa ta'ala in Al-Quran, challenging the shaitan, Allah has said, "Inna Verily, my slaves, you have no authority over them. But in this day and age, people are more possessed than ever. Now, with the bit of experience that I've had, that I thank Allah for, it's very hard to basically analyze um, people's situation. Uh, very hard. Sometimes a person could have mental health, and sometimes they could be possessed. And sometimes they could be on drugs. And that takes a long time, a lot of experience for you to actually recognize if this person is affected by a spiritual interference or if this person is mentally affected or this person is on drugs. Because all the symptoms are very similar. Like once I went to London to assist a, a man, I read on him twice and I said to his family, please do not waste your time with imams. He's not affected by spirits. He needs some psychological help. Okay. Please, you know, take him to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Now you have the other extreme where you find uh, some people don't believe in any of that, that, that uh, you know, a spirit can possess a body. And it's clear in the Quran and Sunnah. You know. Like once I went to, to see a, a non-Muslim lady. I think she lived somewhere in Frankston. And uh, as I was reading on her, she was speaking different languages and she was trying to kick and punch. So who called me her psychiatrist? He said to me, I, I believe that she was seeing my patient. I said, yes. And I would really appreciate that you come and have a look for yourself. Because they don't believe in that either. Mm. It's all chemical imbalance and this and that. So I said, I would appreciate that you come here and, and have a look. She's speaking languages that uh, her mum can't believe. This lady went to Japan and she went into um, some spiritual church and this and that. And she was possessed. And this is where many people go wrong, unfortunately. Um, sometimes they, you know, they call upon spirits. Sometimes they go to, you know, so-called fortune teller, uh, magician. And this is all forbidden in Islam. Whoever comes to a magician or a fortune teller and he or she believes in what he has said, they've disbelieved on what descended on Muhammad. That means they've disbelieved in Quran and Sunnah. So it's very dangerous in Islam. You are not allowed to um, allow me to say ask uh, a person who does witchcraft or or who he or she claims that they know the unknown, mm. because no one knows the unknown. Yeah. Even our beloved Prophet even Gabriel, Jibril, no one knows the unknown but Allah. And these people say, "Oh, you know, that's what's going to happen." No one knows. It's not true. And many people are fooled and deceived, even though that we're living in a, at a time of technology and and research. You still find people are very ignorant in certain things. If you talk about cars, if you talk about footy, if you talk about share markets, you'll be amazed, you know, at the experience that people have. But when it comes to spiritual, uh, allow me to say, interferences, you know, spirits and all, like, uh, allow me to say, um, possession and all that, even basic things about a religion, most people don't know, hmm. and that 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 is the main reason that people can be affected and influenced because the majority of times they are going to the wrong people. Yeah. Cause I was, sorry, bro. I was digging through the files and um, I remember watching one of your previous lectures from I think about 13 years ago yeah. and you were talking about jinns and black magic and stuff. And um, I remember you saying as well, like one massive thing is like 
you, you you're ignorant to the situation and you're like you're like one thing that I see now is this willful disobedience within our, not only our community but within sure. like people in general. So, so like people are going out of their way even though they know something's incorrect in the deen, like Allah SWT has forbidden it. For example, um homosexuality. Like Allah SWT has made it clear cut black and white, you know, like nature, nurture, nothing there's none of that. It's 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 haram, halal, that's it. That's right. You know? And uh, one thing that I've noticed about, for example, like the um the 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 the, the media and all this sort of stuff, like the, the pop culture, is they love murking the waters. Especially like when it comes to things that we know is incorrect or is against our deen or take us away from the fold of Islam. You know, and and when they murky the waters, they make people question, especially the people with like a lower a lower sense of iman and like not really that much conviction within the deen, they kind of like, they kind of get forced into like accepting things. It's true. Because they don't want to be exiled from society or po- the population or cancelled as they call it nowadays. So subhanAllah, um, I was like, what, what, what kind of advice would you give for people who are in this wishy-washy state? Very good question. Um, again, I think the biggest enemy that faces human beings in general is ignorance. That's why Allah the Almighty descended on mm-hmm. our beloved Prophet the first word, Iqra. When Allah has said, Are they equal those who have knowledge and those who don't have knowledge? Without knowledge and implementing your knowledge, uh, you leave yourself in such a fragile position. It is so important, especially now. Um, there are uh, people out there with genders and th- their objective is to, to push it onto people. We, at the end of the day, whether people want to believe in homosexuality or whatever they want to believe, that's okay. But don't shove it up our nose. Mm. This is the issue. You're forced to to basically um, accept it and, and uh, even, you know, like uh, I'm talking about religious leaders. You know, uh, there'll come a time where I, they're not allowed to talk about it. Mm. Teachers, even counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists, and that is so wrong. So, um, th- th- as I said, th- there is a war that's been waged um, against people who are steadfast, against people who are willing to stand by their religion. And as I said, the heavyweight champion of the world out there is Islam. All other religions are, unfortunately, they're they starting to compromise. Mm. We're starting to see you know, the, the acceptance of these uh, agendas in places of worship. But Islam, no. Allah has said beautiful verse, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say, Allah the Almighty has said to the Prophet, Say, the truth is from your Lord. Whomever wishes to believe, believe. And whomever wishes to disbelieve, disbelieve. Mm. It's up to them. But Allah, Allah cares. Allah is the most just. Allah the Almighty descended books, and the final book is the Quran. Allah, descend, uh, Allah sent prophets, and the final prophet is Muhammad. And Allah the Almighty has created us on a natural instinct. We know what is good and what is bad. You don't have to be taught that. Prophet said, Al-halal bayin wal-haram bayin. Halal is clear and haram is clear. So, uh, you know, especially the youth in this day and age where, where the, uh, obviously the social media is so widely available, um, it's incumbent upon leaders, uh, you know, in general like imams, priests, uh, rabbis, to speak... <coughs> Um, to the youth from a young age at one stage you weren't allowed to talk in a, in a masjid about homosexuality now in the last two three years I've been actually um, speaking about clearly that this is forbidden in Islam and, you know, um, some people say Abu Hamza why are you talking about these issues these are very sensitive I said if I don't talk about it others will influence your sons or daughters to believe that the other stuff is okay mm. so prevention is better than cure in Islam Yani yeah. teaching pe- our community uh, that this is permissible, this is impermissible. Because, you know, allow me to say, the biggest enemy and, and the, the hardest thing to control is your desire. Hmm. We all have desires. Yeah. Islam encourages us to full our desi- fulfill our desires. No problem. Fulfill it in an appropriate manner. This is the beauty of Islam. Islam is not just forbidden, haram, 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 as unfortunately some parents, you know, everything's haram. Excuse me. Islam is much, much more halal, what is permissible, than haram. Hmm. And sometimes through 
the parents' harshness or even some Muslim leaders, some of the youth will run away from Islam. Mm. Show them the beauty of Islam. Yeah. The Prophet for example, he said, Ya ma'ashar al-shabab, man istata'a minkum ba'afriyatazawaj. All young men and women, whomever has the ability to get married, get married. Another hadith, the Prophet said, Tanakahu takatharu fa'inni mubahim bikum al-umam yam al-qiyamah. The Prophet said, get married, have children, I'll be proud of you the day of judgment. And there's another thing that is scaring me at the moment, and I'm seeing this amongst the youth, men and women. They don't want any responsibility. They don't want to get married. Mm. Again, this is a, an agenda that's been brewed for many years. Why should I have this responsibility? Why should I work so hard you know, to lease a property and to have children? No, I'll just have a girlfriend here and a girlfriend there, and she feels you know, the same way. This is very dangerous. And I'm seeing this. You know, brothers are 33, 37, sisters, mashallah, you know, they're giving preference for their work over searching for a spouse. Sisters, tabarakallah, some of them are doctors and lawyers and nurses. She's 42 and 43, and she's, uh, you know, she's not married. Mm. And because of this, you know, perception that we have, oh, I have to, you know, I have to graduate and I have to have a PhD to, this is so wrong. You've been married, it actually helps you achieve your goals mm. because it calms you down. You'll focus. Even the non-Muslims, when they get married, what do they say? Oh, I need to settle down. Mm. Isn't that right? So us Muslims, you know, it's, it's really encouraged from a young age and from the age of 18 to start looking for a spouse, especially in this country. Because allow me to say the desires out there, they're just all over the place. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, just finally, quickly, I do apologize. The youth need to understand that we're living in between Two dangers. Doubts, doubting Allah, doubting the Creator, doubting the Quran, doubting the Prophet, doubting the Day of Judgment, doubting angels. Okay? Um, and this is doubts. And also, shubuhat, desires, shahawat, desires, desires of women, desires of status, desires of wealth. Now, more than any other time, people are living between these two Ds. Desires, shahawat and shubuhat. Desires and doubting Allah, doubting Islam. The other day, one brother approached me, and wallahi, today I'll be giving a khutbah about this, would you believe? Because I speak about issues that really relate to the youth. He said, I think that God is unjust. I just actually, wallah, I swear by Allah, I just wanted to go aside and cry. Because I know Allah. I know how just Allah is. I know how merciful Allah is. I just want you know people to, to see that there are people out there that are accusing Allah. They're ungrateful to Allah. They abuse Him day and night. They disregard Him. They disobey Him. And Allah still gives them wealth. Still gives them life. Still gives them time to come back to Him and repent. And if they repent from all the 15, 70 years of uh, being wicked and evil, Allah will forgive them. And Allah will exchange their evil sins into good things. I couldn't believe I sat with this brother for two hours. I could not believe this. So he doubts Allah. Doubts that Allah is the most just, the most caring. Our existence will not even be there without Allah's mercy. So may Allah forgive us all. Yeah, I was just going to say on that, like, Allah alam with that brother, but I think for myself, I like to speak for myself. You sometimes get caught up thinking you're in control. Like, I got that job. Yes, I worked for I earned that money to pay for this and get this car. And we kind of forget about Allah actually putting those blessings into your life. We get carried away because we feel entitled. We feel, you know, we're in control of every single thing. And, yeah, I think it's something we need, like, constant reminders. Like, as simple as it sounds or cliche, like, constant reminders of, like, Allah and Islam. Like, how do we work towards that? Because especially, like, I would say post-COVID, you know, some mosques are not as active or like some areas as well, people aren't socializing as much, we're at home. It's a bit, it's a bit hard to go out of your way and actually initiate. Things. Yeah, so true. Um, we are, as Muslims, taught to say a dua, a supplication before we leave the house. And I beg the brothers and sisters to actually learn it, say it, uh, contemplate on these words and the meanings of it. Always ponder upon it. 
I ne- never leave the house without it. I might forget my keys. I might walk outside the car and recognise that I forgot my keys. I might forget to wear socks, allow me to say something. <laughs> but there's this supplication, especially with what I do, I will never leave the house without it. Which is, Meaning, in the name of Allah. Because with this Bismillah, there's Barakah. Bismillah before you eat, Bismillah before you drink, Bismillah before you wear your clothing, Bismillah before you have an intimate relation with your wife, Bismillah before, you know, she has. Bismillah, in the name of Allah. Because with these two words, doors will open up. Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah. I put my trust and confidence in Allah. This is the halal insurance, full insurance. La hawla. Then you say, la hawla. There is no might, no strength, except by Allah. Allah has said, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah. And whatever blessing that you have is from Allah. I've got this beautiful ayah at my center. It's about two meters by four meters. The brothers sometimes and sisters say, wow, look what you've achieved. Us. Please, please. It's all about Allah. I'm nothing. I am nothing. Even the good thoughts that you think it's by the will of Allah. Anything that you've achieved. You know, wallahi. Very important to say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. All praise to Allah. Alhamdulillah for the blessings that surround me. You know, the the blessing that's been poured on me by the day. You know, I go to bed sometimes. I'm going to be a bit more private now. I go to bed... And I just speak to Allah. I said, thank you, Allah. I have, I have a blanket, thank you, Allah. I have a bed, thank you, Allah. I have a roof over my head, thank you, Allah. I have a pillow. How many millions don't have these basic things? I don't only ask Allah for the, the amazing thing that Allah has blessed me with. But I ask Him, and I praise Him, and I thank Him. And sometimes I cry, Wallah. I, just thanking Him for the bounties that Allah bestowed upon me. Hmm. Who the hell is Abu Hamza? Please, I'm not trying here to be humble. But who the hell is Abu Hamza now? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with the biggest organization in Australia. Alhamdulillah. We have a childcare center. We have a school. We have one of the biggest congregation now in Victoria. Alhamdulillah, we've got a farm. We're just about to set it to be a camp for Muslims and non-Muslims. We have a restaurant. We have a studio. Alhamdulillah. We've built, we're just on the verge of finishing, allow me to say, a multi-purpose, specifically for women more than men. Okay, a pool, a nice-sized pool, that our sisters can be proud to see that the Muslim leaders are thinking of them. Because if the boys go anywhere, it's okay for the boys. Some parents are, it's okay for the boys to do whatever, but for the girls, it's haram. So we've got a pool for them. They will get the first choice of the time that they wish. A pool, a gym overlooking the pool. A multi-purpose where they can pray, play, socialize, have events, have courses. That will only be for women. Only for women. It's approximately 800 square meters. That's not because my intelligence. Who the hell am I? I didn't even finish uni. I'm sorry, I didn't even do a VSE. It's all about Allah. Wallahi, I stood, I remember 25 years ago in Melbourne University, in Copeland Theatre, or, or at that time I was lecturing. And I said, if Allah bestows upon us His blessings and He gives us some money, we will not build a masjid. We want to build a youth centre so we can attract the youth. You know, some of the parents now, if they want to punish their kids, they would say, I'm taking you to this masjid. The son would say, please take me to my centre. Well, mashallah. Wallahi al you know, one of the brothers, may Allah bless him, he's actually a principal now of a school. He said, Abu Hamza, if I want to punish my, my kids, I would say, I'm going to take you to this masjid or this masjid. But if I want to reward him, I would say, I'm taking you to my center. Because it's welcoming. It's for the youth. So, um, please, wallahi, always, always, when you're in a car, you're on a red light, always say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It is so soothing, these two words, all praise to Allah. Especially at a time of hardship. Because life is hard. Mm-hmm. Life is difficult. The brother asked me a beautiful question in regards of after COVID. Many people have been stagnated inside their houses. They're not coming out. 
They got used to being inside the house. Now it's a duty upon the leaders and, and parents to, you know, push their kids outside. Come out. Because being inside the house, that itself is depression. Oh. That's, that itself is anxiety. And, and you know, uh, there are so many stories to tell you of what's happening inside the house, how people are depressed and all that. But we want to basically boost the spirit of our brothers and sisters. I'm reluctant to tell you about mm. some of the bad news, but there's a lot of great news that's happening. Alhamdulillah. Um, I wanted to go into more so like the work so like the specific work you've had to like do within the community like from for example like obviously i don't know if you started with the rookie services was it that the beginning like no i started off with um i was you know uh, i can almost say uh, that uh, mr preston was my second house i used to live in gower street preston mm-hmm May Allah have mercy upon my father and uh, your grandfather, Sheikh Fahmi. Uh-huh. I grew up in a masjid. Um, I actually, I was Victorian champion kickboxer, so you better not give me a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we distance us from you. <laughs> you can edit whatever you want, Sheikh. No. Yeah. <laughs> I've always had something in me <coughs> that I've always wanted to help. Always. From a young age. Like I can imagine from the age of 16 and 17, some of my friends would ask me for some consultation, some advice. I've always loved to help. So when I was involved in, in um, kickboxing and all that, uh, I requested through the executive committee at that time from Preston Masjid to give me an opportunity to teach the kids. Because at that time, you know, they we didn't have the problems that exist. The worst kid could be at that time is the one that takes a bit of marijuana or smokes. Mm-hmm. But now... You know, the person who does that, he's very religious. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> mm, <laughs> so you can't compare that time to that time. Um, so, you know, I, I brought him in and I would say, please don't smoke because I really don't uh, like people that smoke. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, I would, um, I wasn't very religious. Uh, I'd pray on, off. Fasting was, I always be, will be fasting. I've always loved Allah, but there was people around me that were a bit harsh and please respect the parents. I'm begging you for the sake of Allah. Approach your kids um, in a you know, subtle manner. Don't be harsh on them because you could be driving away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you say to them, pray, tell them why. When you say to your daughter, wear the hijab, tell her why. Don't just wear the hijab, pray. You know? um, so um, I grew up in that environment at Preston Masjid. And I always tell the brothers and sisters, they ask me, you know, alhamdulillah, you, you know, you're steadfast because some of my friends died from overdose. Some of them are drug dealers. Um, some of them are divorced and they're having major issues. Alhamdulillah, out of, you know, the friends that I've grown up with, not many um, are steady. So I tell them two things kept me steadfast over the years. Being in the masjid and doing sports. Sports and faith... <coughs> You know, subhanAllah, go, goes hand in hand. And, and sports is part of faith, if you have the right intention. Yeah. So from a young age, I was always healthy. I loved running and, you know, swimming. And uh, I've always been a, a sports fanatic. Um, and I loved Allah. And I, as I said, I grew up at Preston Masjid. Now I'm looking back, you know, sometimes I look back, you know, the years and all that. And, and these are the two things that kept me steadfast. And that's what I always recommend to the youth. Please, please. Even though that, you know, you might do something wrong here, and we do, and we still do. Mm. But please, make sure that your heart is connected to the masjid. If you have time for Isha prayer, if you're working, you're working, fair enough. But if you have time for Isha prayer, for Fajr prayer, these two prayers are so crucial. (coughs) The Prophet said, whomever prays Fajr prayer in congregation, he will be protected and shielded by Allah. So, you know, th- this Fajr prayer, subhanAllah, it just boosts your faith. It gives you strength within. within, And you actually recognize that you are, will, you will be protected that day by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So these two things, please, faith and fitness does wonders. So it's like also like the idle mind thing. You don't want to have like, a s- you don't want to have too much free time, especially at our age. Because there's a lot of energy and so, so much like, so much to like do and you... All you do is just sit down at home. And if you're sitting down at home, everything's accessible. Mm. So mm. then people always say like, 
you don't like the person you are when you're not busy or when you're when you're by yourself or when you're alone you know because mm. that's when shaitan does his best work so subhanallah but i actually feel sorry for the youth in this day and age mm. i really pity them i really really feel sorry for them wallahi you know some parents can't contemplate oh when i was your age i used to do this there's a saying of umar radiyallahu anhu he said he said allimu auladakum li zaman ghayri zaman he said, teach your children to a time different than your time. So you can't, as parents, you can't say, oh, when I was your age, I was doing this. Excuse me. You're not at his age. He came to the world and his mother and father was the iPad and the iPhone. You were too busy with your mates with cards and fishing. You, you barely had time to teach him. The mother, you know, no time. She's on her WhatsApp and she's busy with her Botox and all that. <laughs> Wallah, you know, once I, w- I actually was teaching at a school at Taqwa College at one stage, alhamdulillah. And I addressed the teachers. I said, I just want you to know that the majority of the students are orphans. They looked at me like this. I said, what do you mean? I said, they have parents, but they have no parents. I said, you're going to be the parents. You'll have to, sp- you're spending more time with them. Please, uh, you know, treat them with, with respect. Please honor them. Please be patient with them. Parents are too busy in their own mm. world. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. So really, I feel sorry for the youth. Wallahi, when I see a young man practicing, I actually envy that person. Oh Allah, and I'd say from the bottom of my heart, oh Allah, please keep him steadfast. Because you see that, you see that, you know, the, the young boys from a young age, allow me to say, seven, eight, they come in with their parents, they're nice, this, that. You know, they, they reach age of 11, 12, they, they're still coming, but you can start sensing that their parents are forcing them to come to the masjid. You know, they reach the age of 16, 17, their hair's changing, you know, a bit of this, a bit of that, you know, tight clothing. Uh, and 18, 19, their parents can't, uh, they find difficulties in controlling them. So when you see that 21 and 18 steadfast, it's so like, wow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him. Wallah al And... Alhamdulillah, that's why we try to provide facilities for the youth. Just stay close to Allah. Mm. Stay to the hu- you know, close to the you know, the house of Allah, to the masjid. Because that's a safe zone. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise you got pop culture and you got the media raising your kids. And subhanAllah nowadays, it's funny how the rhetoric changes, you know. Like back in the day, like clear cut, something's bad or someone's bad, they're just bad. There's no backstory, you know, he's a villain. For example, I'll give you like superhero movies and stuff now they got origin stories so like for example you know the joker from batman yep, yep. now they give you his backstory of what he went through as a kid and it makes you feel sorry for the guy who's going around just creating chaos in society and killing and and pillaging he's just doing like bad stuff you know yeah. and and, uh, and you can see it like more often than not now within movies and tv shows and for example anime or something like that and Kids are just watching it, and the, f- the, f- the parents are, aren't thinking too much of it because, oh, what is it, Spider Man? Sh- what's Spider Man going to do to you? You know? Mm, and then they're always telling people, and there was this, there was this TikTok. Uh, I don't want to laugh too much about yeah. it, but some, some guy did a, he did like a parody video of when the Dejel comes out, and then like they go, the people of this day and age, like, oh, like the Dejel, he didn't choose to have one eye, he didn't choose to have kafir on his head. He didn't choose. Maybe he has a good heart. Maybe oh, it's inside yeah. his thing. And I, I was like, subhanAllah, it's funny. But at the same time, it's actually sad. Because yeah. like, that's basically the road we're going down this day and age. So true. We're looking, at, we're looking at things from not choices. We're looking at things from basically, like, we're, we're not looking at us basically, sorry, from the outcome. We're looking at the means now as well. And w- like means doesn't justify the ends, you know what I mean? Like so it doesn't doesn't always do that. If somebody's done something bad, they've done something bad, regardless of the backstory. Subhanallah. And this this is an issue that would say, oh, but maybe his his intention is good. Excuse me, I'm not here to judge intentions. Yeah. I'm here to judge actions. Okay, this young boy is asking for my daughter's hand. I don't know his intention, but his actions show me most likely. What is in his heart? That's what I'm required mm. to, to actually, you know, uh, look at. And, and you can go actually further than that. Now, a drug dealer died. Wow. And you see, you know, some people say, oh, he was a good person. Excuse me. 
Ask the imams if he's a good person. Don't ask those who gave drugs to you for free if he's a good person. Of course they're going to say he's a good person. But this is your right. We're living at a time that unfortunately people seem to sympathize with criminals. Hmm. You know? And it's, it's scary because, because loving is an act of worship. When you love someone for the sake of God, the Prophet said, The Prophet said, Whomever loves for the sake of Allah. So when you see young man, mashallah, practicing, respecting his parents, mashallah, you know, wanting to get married and settle down and, and he's got a good income from, you know, from the hard work that. Subhanallah, you love that person for that. You get rewarded to that love. But if you allow me to say love a drug dealer or pedophile or this, this love is haram in Islam. Okay? Uh, also, disliking for the sake of Allah. If I see a Muslim brother, he's going out there and harming non-Muslims or even kick, kicking dogs and, and oppressing and cheating, even though that he's a Muslim, I dislike this action. This is not a good action. Hmm. I can't say, oh, it doesn't matter. His name is Muhammad. It doesn't matter if he hit a, a non-Muslim. He's, he's still, I still love him. Excuse me, you don't love him. That action of his is inappropriate. Because, because if you love him, you're not going to tell him, hey, stop. Okay? So loving and disliking for the sake of Allah is a great act of worship. It's actually one of the greatest acts of worship. But um, I wanted to also like, I know this sounds like I'm just coming here with this, I want to talk about jinn and black magic and stuff, yeah. but I'd, I'd love to pick your brain on it because I don't know, I was very intrigued by like, for example, my older brother, you taught him um, back in the day. And he used to always, like, when I was younger, he used to always tell me the stories of, like, because he used to talk to him in between Islamic studies classes of all the, all the, um, the obviously, the, the, the experiences that you've had within that yeah. that realm. Um, for me, it's always been intriguing for me, subhanAllah, to know, to know not only about jinn, but angels and the unseen world in general. And um, one thing that's massive now that people are talking about a lot, I'm not promoting this in any way. It's psychedelics. Yeah. So like mushrooms and, and stuff like that. And, and a lot of the people, they say like, um, if anything, it gets you in touch with that that other realm. Yeah. And I was like, Dangerous, I yeah. wanted to see what your opinion was on and all that sort of stuff. People who, uh, you know, resort to, to drugs, um, they leave themselves open for uh, spiritual interference. So sometimes you could be reading on someone that is a, you know, a drug user, and he could be also possessed. And sometimes a person could be possessed on drugs and has mental health. Mm. Okay, and that's you know like for example sometimes I asked a question like, um, do you take drugs? He would say yes, yes, but I stopped uh, a week ago. But I'm seeing this. This has nothing to do with drugs. I said, well, you hallucinate through some of these drugs. Some of the drugs make you become so angry you'd want to kill your family members as it happened in, in Sydney once this person killed his own father shot his head off mm. drugs uh, you know different drugs can have an immense impact upon your personality your behavior you know your mood and all that so I would always say to a person that is on drugs um, you know, first of all abstain from these drugs that you take because your life is in danger I don't know if you guys can remember um, an imam got killed. He got killed. He got stabbed. Here yeah, yeah, in Melbourne. That, that was about a year ago. Oh Actually, wow. even less. Yeah, I think he's a Somalian sheikh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy. Oh, I remember hearing about it, about it actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember, yeah. I don't know the we name. We spoke about it on a podcast once. Like, yeah, I think initially, like, yeah, yeah. He did, they thought the kid had mental health issues, I think. Correct. And then. No, no, but he was not possessed. Oh, that's it, yeah. No, no, he was not possessed. The kid was not possessed. The kid. Um, I spoke to his family after that. He didn't speak, uh, didn't uh, sleep for about two weeks. He had major mental health, and this is the difference between an experienced Iraqi and an unexperienced Iraqi. Mm. Because what they've said to the Iraqi that he's possessed through some of the symptoms. The same symptoms could be for the person is possessed, or is on drugs, or has mental health. Mm. That's why it's sometimes you know your life, like especially with what I do, my life is always in danger. Um, because, uh, like, we had a brother the other day from Newport. I read on him Quran, and mashallah, he was about six four, and he's three times bigger than me. I usually I'm usually able to control them when they start to infest the shayateen and they start to growl and they want to get up and attack you. Mm -hmm. 
But then I had a sore back and this guy got up and I reckon he would have belted the hell out of me. Mm. So I had to de-escalate the situation. So I stopped reciting specific verses from the Quran that aggravate him and frustrate him. And they would want to get up and, and attack you. And sometimes when they attack you, they don't know what they're doing. Mm. They're in their own world. Okay. And, and sometimes a family member would say, you did this, you said, that. what do you mean? I didn't, because they were at that time affected uh, you know, by, the, by the spirits. Mm. So this person, uh, he actually, like he grabbed my hand. I thought he's going to break my hand to that extent. And subhanAllah, they don't feel it, they don't sense it, they don't know uh, what's happening. So, you know, as I said, it's very, very important to, you know, basically, you know, analyze the situation, you know, and, and see w what it is that this person has. There was also, um, I remember speaking to Omar, but, um, I met up with him ages ago, but subhanAllah, I needed to catch up properly. But um, I was speaking to him about it, and I remember asking him why he never went into doing rookie services with you also. Mm. And then he said that, it's kind of like you can't turn it off. It's an on-the-clock job. Yeah, and um, like even if you miss like one athqar or you miss like a sunnah or something like that, or your fried, you haven't prayed him correctly or on time, like they're just waiting for you, like the iblis and the shayateen, they're just waiting for you to... Of course, because you're by Allah's will, it's all by Allah's will, that you're expelling some of these spirits outside the body and they and sometimes you know some of these spirits actually die. Okay, so they have family members that want to attack you or whatever, and that's why many imams don't actually continue on. I would give hundred thousand dollars now, wallah, to stop doing rokia. Wallah, it's so demanding, it takes so much of you. You know, if you were to tell me this before I started this, I'd say you're crazy, get the hell out of here. I wouldn't believe this, but wallah, it's true. I swear by Allah, I would love to give it up. It's so time consuming. It's so difficult. You see people vomiting. You see people attack you. you. Your heart breaks because of what you know these people go through. It really breaks my heart, especially with women, what they go through, the agony. And sometimes, you know, it's not easy, you know, to, to expel a shaitan by Allah's will. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes even years. But please, while we're at this, the best Raqi, Raqi is the person that recites Quran and Sunnah. The best Raqi, beloved brothers and respected sisters, is you, you, by doing good and abstaining from evil. You know, people say, oh, Abu Hamza, you have, you know, you've taught this. And, excuse me, I'm nothing. I can't blink an eye without Allah's will. Like some people would say, uh, like I asked him, do you pray, brother? He says, no, brother, start praying. Well, I'm too embarrassed to ask Allah to give you shifa. Well, you don't pray. Hmm. Brother, pray, inshallah, and I'll see you afterward. Sister, that's what I do. So what I try my utmost best to do is to connect people with Allah, not with me. And I tell them, I'm nothing. Please, I am nothing. Allah is the curer. Allah the Almighty has said about what Ibrahim has said. And when I become sick, Allah gives shifa. And we need to understand this, this word shifa. The curer is Allah. You go to a doctor, two of you, both of you have certain disease. The doctor gives you both medication. One of you could be cured and the other one not. Same sickness, same medication, and both could not be cured, or both cured. Doctors treat the cure only comes from Allah Subhanahu. Wa of course, we take by the means. Of course, we, you know we take medication. No problem at all. But we need to understand that the cure is Allah. So I take the medication. Say Ya Rabbi And plus, this medication, where did they bring it from? Their mother. It's all from <laughs> Allah. Everything that <laughs> surrounds us is from Allah. So please, it's very important for us to understand that you need to rely on Allah. Mm. If you rely on this Imam or this, oh, this Shaykh, excuse me, I tell people, Allah, so especially people that come from Sydney, you know, oh, Abu Hamza, we heard that you're the best. I say, excuse me, I'm nothing. I can't blink an eye without Allah's will. I'm seeing at the moment like this, it's all about Allah's will. I can't move, no blink. Please, don't. and get this out of your mind. As long as you have this in your mind, you're not going to be cured. Okay? You need to understand that the cure is Allah. Oh. And here I am begging Allah, oh Allah, please give her or him shifa. That's what that's what I do. What's the best form of prevention? Because I know that there's some things that you've spoken about in the past. Mm. Like there's, is it um, obviously reciting the Bismillah um, before leaving the house? In a nutshell, connecting with Allah. 
whether through prayer, through supplications, through doing good deeds, through respecting your parents, through you know respecting your name. In a nutshell, because all these good deeds strengthens your faith. I love this saying of the Prophet He said about Umar the Prophet said, whenever Umar takes a path, Shaitan takes another path. <laughs> well, just imagine, you know, Umar is on Logon Street. <laughs> Shaitan will not go on Logon Street. He'll go on Sydney Road. Why? Why? Because Umar had that connection with Allah. That's what we need to do. We need to, you know, teach people, hey, it's not the Imam. The Imam is nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the cure. The Prophet ﷺ, while he was teaching his, um, uh, his cousin, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Ya Ghulam, inni u'allimuka kalimat, ihfadullah, ihfad. You know, the Prophet ﷺ has said to Abdullah ibn Abbas, I will teach you some words. Or oh, young man, look, look at the Prophet's approach. He didn't say, hey, like some our parents, idiot, come here, use, no, no. The Prophet ﷺ said, oh, young man, I'm going to teach you some words. Hear me out. He said, preserve Allah. That means preserve the laws of Allah. Allah will preserve you. Then he said to him, if you were to ask, if you were to ask, ask from Allah. And if you seek help, seek help from Allah. That's it. He didn't say, seek help from me. I'm alive. Ask me. No, no, no. Ask from Allah. And that's what we need to do. Because there are some ignorant Muslims in this day and age. Oh, this Imam, he knows. What does he know? He knows nothing. Okay? And he knows the unknown. Some people, he knows nothing. Some people go to a grave. Muslims now in this day and age with all this technology and all this education, they go, oh, he's a saint. I need to ask him and then he'll intercede for us with Allah. Excuse me. Allah Azza wa has said, Allah has said subhanahu wa ta'ala to Prophet if they ask you about me, tell them that I'm near. I'll respond to the caller when he calls me. So we don't need to go, Ya Muhammad, Ya Isa, Ya Ali, Ya Umar. Ya Allah, So we really, really have to teach people their deen because most Muslims don't, don't know their deen, unfortunately. And people do start to like, it becomes normal. I even know with my friends, like they, they question their closeness with Allah or even like, as you would say, they question His mercy, thinking, oh no, nah, I'm, doing, I'm doing too much haram these days. It's so hard for me to come back, you know, to pray again. And that's haram in itself by yeah. questioning Allah's mercy. You know, I love that. That's that's beautiful what you yeah. said because because brother, I could allow me to say a person could commit a sin, allow me to say adultery, or allow me to say stealing or whatever. By you thinking that Allah does not forgive you, it's a bigger sin than the sin that you committed. I love this hadith. I will mention what the Prophet said. He said, "Sallallahu Alaihi The Prophet said. If your good deed pleases you and your bad deed displeases you, then you're a believer. The memory now, you know, when you're over 30, you start to forget a little bit. Anyway, the Prophet <laughs> said, He said, If your good deed pleases you, so when you do something good, you should be happy. Thank you, Allah, you've given me the ability to read a line from the Quran. Thank you, Allah, that you've given me the ability to give five cents. For the sake of Allah. Don't underestimate this. The Prophet ﷺ said, Don't look down at anything that you do of good. Don't look down at this. Because shaitan wants you to look down. Oh, that's nothing. Oh, you spray. That's No, no, that's good. Don't look down. Even smiling in front of your brother. What a beautiful deen. Smiling is an act of worship. And that smile could be the reason that you'll enter into paradise. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Please listen to this amazing hadith. And this is to every sinner. And I'm one of those. Prophet said, if your good deed pleases you and your bad deed displeases you, then you're a believer. So don't, when you do something bad, don't brag, oh, I did this, oh, I'm, no, no, no. Okay, oh Allah, I've done this. Please forgive me. And cover up for your faults. Please don't brag about your faults because, because bragging about your faults is greater than the fault itself. The Prophet said, All of my people are sound and they're safe except for those that brag and boast about their faults. And one of the names of Allah is As-Satir. Allah loves to cover your faults. And Allah will cover your faults if you cover your faults. And Allah will cover your faults the day of judgment if you cover his faults. And he covers yours. The Prophet said, 
Man satara Muslim and fid dunya satara Allah alayhi wa kalim. Whomever covers up for a Muslim in this life, Allah will cover up for him in the day of judgment. So the more you cover up for me and I cover up for you and I make dua for you, yeah, I've seen you the other day from, you know, uh, come out of a casino or you have a girlfriend, whatever, I cover up for you. I see you aside. I advise you secretly between me and you because I've covered up for you. Allah's going to cover up for me and I have more sins than you have. And just imagine the day of judgment. You know, here you are, you appear and, and all your sins are exposed. How embarrassing. The prophets are there, your mom is there, your sons are there, your daughters are there, your friends. But if you cover up for other people's hearts, Allah will cover for your friends. Wow. Um, do you have any more questions? I've got one more. Go I want to talk little, about like... The last question. Thanks, <laughs> so I want to talk a bit like about the social media uh, world and obviously like platforms we're talking about like TikTok. People are posting more about their lives, which isn't a bad thing. Obviously, people can benefit from others. But where does it like... What, do you, what advice would you give with Muslim youth, you know, showing too much of their lives because of like the whole idea of Ayn and evil eye as well, like showing your family members, your parents, kids, and all that? What, where would you see the balance? What advice would you give? Well, first of all, um, I want to congratulate you guys for this. Wallahi, I'm, I'm uh, proud of you. I ask Allah, you know, that um, there'll be more brothers and sisters that uh, have concern for their community. And I'm talking about Muslims and non Muslims. At the end of the day, we're, we're proud. To be Muslim Australians, mm. this is our country. Okay, very important. This is the two messages that I've always conveyed over the years that I've been involved in. Dawah, to be a proud Muslim Australian. Okay, uh, what you guys are doing is great. Um, at the moment, there's allow me to say there's a wicked force, mm. and there's a good force. Even though the the good force is little, like we are, but Subhanallah, the impact it has amazing. It has a great impact upon people. As long as we have people like you guys, youth, mashallah, tabarakallah, are concerned, this, this ummah will always be, inshallah, at a high status. Inshallah. Wallahi. Allah has said, innahum fitya amanu bi rabbihim There were young men, okay, we're talking about the, 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 the story of the people of the cave. There were young men, amanu bi rabbihim. They believed in their Lord and Allah increased them in faith. If I don't see youth involved in da'wah, I know that this is the end. We're gone, we're finished. Mm. But as long as I see you guys now, you guys are spending ample of time preparing this and all that, I love that. That gives me so much ambition. And that strengthens me. You know, one imam has said, if you don't see kids and, and youth inside the masjid, that means you imams have failed. So, um, obviously the TikTok and all that. And obviously we, we can... Uh, I, I believe that TikTok... Is not far off being haram. Why? And I, I'm, I'm extremely cautious of this word haram and halal. Mm. Extremely cautious. But TikTok, you have, you don't have much control of it, like you have with Facebook or Twitter. Okay, you don't what's, you don't know what's the next video, mm. and you're a man. Okay, you're not a rock. <laughs> if you see something nice, you're gonna look. So with the other um, social media. Um, I think you know, no problem in regards to that. But TikTok is, I had it. I actually downloaded it about no six way. months ago. Wallah. And I, even I was on it without, I don't know who put it on, who put myself on it. But anyway, no, no, you, you can't control it. Like here you are, you're hearing uh, an advice from a sheikh, and the next one there's a something totally different. Yeah. There's music on it. Yeah. And that is why I'm, uh, you know, I, would, I haven't said that's haram yet. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards that it's impermissible, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not in a position. I'm an ignorant person. I'm not in a position to say it's haram. We wait for the scholars. Allah has said Subhanahu wa Taala, "Fasalu ahl al-dhikr in Ask the people of knowledge if, if you don't know. So I'm reluctant, but I just believe that it's very close to being prohibited because you have no control mm. on the next video. Allah mm. knows best. Subhanallah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to ask yeah. my question, inshallah. We'll yeah. let you get back to, inshallah, my centre. Um, but seeing or hearing about your past and stuff like that, and um, I think that you would have a lot of advice for the younger Abu Hamza, or before Abu Hamza, Samir Muhtadi. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I wanted to see what would what would be like one piece of advice if you could go back in time, would you would tell the younger version of yourself, I would tell him 
um, seek knowledge. Knowledge is so crucial. Knowledge is an ammunition against ignorance, against certain ideologies. Um, I would say associate with yourself with the good people. You guys, that little crew that you guys have, thank Allah for it. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, the Prophet ﷺ said that the wolf eats from the sheep, the one that wanders. So if Abu Hamza is alone, the shaitan will have an impact on him. But if he's amongst good crew, the shaitan will not penetrate through that friendship. The Prophet ﷺ had great companions. But who's his closest? Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. Radiyallahu. He had thousands. But he had the best Said by you guys hanging around one another because you're going to sleep. And you're going to sleep. And you're going to sleep. And when you sleep amongst righteous people, they'll lift you. Mm. Wallahi. I think after having faith and, and reliance on Allah and having that connection with Allah, the second connection which is so cruel, but so crucial in this day and age is having good friends. So important. That's, that's why the Prophet said, said, The person is according to the religion of his friend. Then observe whom you associate with. I've associated, uh, allow me to say, I've befriended thousands and thousands of people. But my friends, they have to be religious. Because I sleep, I do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I love when a brother says to me, Abu Hamza, you stuffed up the other day. Uh, please don't say that. You're, I love it. And Umar said, عنه, he said, there is no good in a person that does not give an advice and there is no good in a person that does not accept an advice. You want to know if you you have real friends? If you stuff up and he says to your brother, fear Allah. That's not right. That's the real friend. Not the, the friend that says, yeah, 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 it's a 60 zone, go 120, you floor it, you know. He's not a good friend. So associate with good people. Those who encourage you. And please be careful to not associate with people that are just negative. Oh, look at what's happening to the Muslim community. Look how bad we are. Look, excuse me, we're better than any other time. <coughs> Allah, we are. Okay? If I was to look back at an age where, you know, I was 18, 40 years ago, the people that were in the Masjid Preston for Fajr prayer, four or five. Sometimes Sheikh Fahmi and my father will be praying alone. I'm talking about that time. Subhanallah, you know. And then just over the years, and look how many messages we have now. And look how many reciters we have now. And look at the youth in the front line. We need to be positive. You sit amongst people that are negative, you will go into depression. And you will actually eventually step away from being a practicing Muslim. You need people that are positive around you. This is so important. I can just imagine right through the, um, you know, the years that, alhamdulillah, we've gone. We were in the city. We began with, um, uh, alhamdulillah, Spencer Street. There were 20 people there. We moved to East Brunswick. At that time, we were about 50 people. And I remember, well, some of the boys came up to me. Oh, Hamza, some of these uh, sisters are coming. They're not wearing hijab and they're wearing skirt. I said, shut up. None of your business. Let them go. They come in. What are they doing here? They're listening to lectures. Mm. And now they become mothers. And they become teachers. And they become influential. So from Brunswick, alhamdulillah, we went to uh, North Coburg, where we used to feed 400 people on, on uh, mashallah, on uh, every Sunday. Sydney Road would be at that time in that area, blocked, mashallah, yani full of cars, tabarakallah. Okay, and now we've moved to a place that fits 4,000 people. Never despair. And if you have people that are negative, ah, what, what for? Why do you want to buy a block of land and build and do this? Turn your back on them and proceed ahead. So what you guys doing now? Some people say, what are you doing that for? Oh, there's others that are doing it. Continue on. Please. I love the hadith of the Prophet which I'm just going to uh, mention a couple of words of it in Arabic. Never despair. Never give up. Have the ambition that this studio will be worldwide. And it'll have hundreds and hundreds of millions that are watching it. Don't just say, oh, it's just going to have a part-time job. You know, uh, no, no. And my, our ambition is to actually reach high. When you reach 100 and you get 50, alhamdulillah. But when you reach 50, you're not going to get 50. You're going to get 20. Reach high. Never despair, never give up. 
جزاك الله خير بارك الله فيكم الله بليس يو ياكم الله I'm gonna give you a bit of time inshallah I know you got my voice media and all that sort of stuff inshallah so maybe look into the camera and give them a bit of like information about how they can get in touch with you or the My Center crew don't get in touch with me please it's not it's not a recommendation but inshallah so we just want to thank Sheikh Abu Hamza again جزاك الله خير and inshallah everything inshallah expand even a million times more inshallah Allah gives you all the barakah in the world We really appreciate you coming on And um, don't forget to like, comment and subscribe And inshallah uh, If you want Abu Hamzi back on again Make sure you smash the like button <laughs> yeah. Abu Hamzi likes 100 likes <laughs> May Allah reward you Thank you for the invitation I really appreciate it And uh, inshallah I can see that this beautiful project Can go a long way Bi'idhnillah Assalamualaikum